Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for watching our broadcast today. Thank you, audience, for being with us. We appreciate it so very much. We're continuing our study on if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. What an exciting revelation. I wrote a book about this in 1982. Same title. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. You know, to this day, we still get more testimonies from people that this is the message that changed their life. This is the message that brought them into the word of faith. It's the message that, that caused them to go to another level in their walk with God. And I'm so blessed and honored that the Lord shared this with me way back there in 1982 and how it changed my life and how it's changed so many other lives all over the world. There are people in this audience right now have already told me that this is one of the first messages they ever heard me preach. Well, there's a lot of people that have said that to me over the years, and it's such a powerful revelation. I haven't taught it in a long, long time, but was impressed with the Lord to share it on the television broadcast. We've already talked about it for two weeks. This is our third week. We're going to keep talking about it next week. And I trust, praise God, that today it will minister to each and every one of you in a very powerful way. Now, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we begin this study beginning in verse 32 all the way down to verse 34. And I believe Paul, being the author of the book of Hebrews, is saying to that group of people that when you first came into the knowledge of the truth, when the Word of God first began to illuminate you, you remember those days and you remember how that you came under a great fight of affliction. Or in other words, Satan came immediately to steal the word that was sown in your heart, just like Jesus said he would in the fourth chapter of Mark when he was teaching on the parable of the sower sows the word. Jesus said that once the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to try to steal that word. Why? Because it's God's word in your heart that makes you a serious threat to the devil. Christians that have no word in their heart are not a threat to Satan, but you are. You people in this room this morning, you are a serious threat to Satan. Why? Because you're people of the Word. You're people that love the Word. You're people that spend quality time in the Word. You're like me. You can't get enough of the Word. That makes you a serious threat. And then we found that in the midst of all of that adversity they were experiencing, Paul said, but you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Listen to that phrase. You took joyfully the spoiling or the taking of your goods. In other words, he's saying, even though some of your material possessions were taken from you during this great fight of affliction, you determined that it would never take your joy. And that's important because that's the proper attitude to have when you're in a test or a trial. You see, it's your attitude that either makes you or breaks you. It's your attitude that either produces victory or failure. If you have a negative attitude, then it's highly probable you're going to wind up losing this fight. But if you have a positive attitude, which is based on the Word of God, then it's very likely you will be successful. You will have a victory. So whatever you might be going through right now, determine in your heart that even though something may be taken from you during this trial, determine in your heart that nothing is going to take your joy. And as I said on the previous broadcast, you might ought to write this down and keep it in front of you. 
Your joy is not based on your circumstances. Your joy is based on your intimate relationship with Christ. Amen. That's where my joy comes from. You know, yes, uh, you know, when things are going well, there's a happiness, there's a joy, there's a gladness. But when you can have that same happiness, gladness, and joyfulness when things are going bad, that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So that's something that every believer should develop, and you can do it. If I can, you can. Okay. Now, we also discovered in James chapter 1 that whenever you fall into a temptation, testing, or trial, to consider it all joy. Now, that's a very unusual statement. He's saying to each and every one of us, when you come under attack, the smartest thing you can do is stay joyful. Now, that's not what most Christians do. That's not how most Christians react. Would you agree with me? You've, you run into somebody that's under attack and, and you can tell they're under attack by the expression on their face. It won't be long. They'll be talking it. You know, nobody knows the trouble we've seen, you know, and, and, and you feel for them. But when they, when they react that way, my first thought is they're not spending enough time in the word. They don't know what the word says. Amen. Now, I'll pray for them. I'll, I'll do everything I possibly can to help them. But, you know, if they don't get full of the Word of God, they're going to react that way every time. And eventually, they'll become so negative that it will affect their walk with God. These are the kind of Christians that don't last very long. See, Jesus talked about that. He said, once the Word was sown and they received it gladly, but afterwards, when persecution or affliction arose for the Word's sake, they let go of the word. So there are those Christians that they receive the word. I mean, they love it. They say amen to everything you say. They walk out of the auditorium, you know, with a smile on their face, patting other Christians on the back. Man, wasn't that good? But when affliction or persecution comes, what happened? Satan stole the word. They lost their joy. And it's not likely they'll be successful. So it's important that we have a right attitude. And one of the most important characteristics of a right attitude is you remain joyful. You know, I was in uh, Casper, Wyoming a long, long time ago, back about the time I wrote this book, maybe just a year or so afterwards. And uh, we'd been invited to come up there and do a meeting with this church. I had my road crew. They said, Brother Jerry, you use our facility. It's your meeting, you know. And so... Uh, we had our road crew take our sound system and everything and our resources and all that. Uh, my pilot and I flew up there in our airplane. It was cold, man. It was snowing. It was like blizzard condition in Casper. And we landed and went to the hotel and the meeting starts that night. Well, you know, my crew knows that after three o'clock in the afternoon, you don't interrupt my prayer time and study time. But about four o'clock that afternoon, there was a knock on my hotel door. I thought, now who is that? Surely not somebody that works for me. Well, it turned out to be my crusade coordinator. And uh, he said, Brother Jerry, I know, you know, you don't want to be interrupted, but I've got to tell you, uh, the pastor that invited us to come, he left town. He shut the church down. There's nobody there. We can't even get in the building. And... Uh, we don't know what to do. So we finally decided we better come ask you what to do. I said, you can't get in the building. No, it's locked. 
Now this pastor didn't even have the courtesy to write and tell me that before I got there, you know. He just left town, shut the church down, and here we are, you know, and I got all these people, I got all these expenses, and thinking I'm about to go into a three-day meeting. And finally, he's, 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 I said, well, go see if you can find somebody that can get us in that building because we've got advertisement out. We're going to have a meeting and so forth, you know. Well, he finally did find somebody. They let him in the building, set up all of our equipment. But everybody in town knows that church is shut down. So when I get over there, the only people in the building is my team. And there was one woman and one man who came from out of town who had received a notice from our mailing list and they didn't know their church was shut down. So they just came, one couple and my team in this auditorium. Now, was I happy about this? No. <laughs> was it stealing my joy? Yes. I wished I'd never written this book. I wanted to hurt somebody. I'm human. I mean, if I could have got my hands on that pastor, I'd have done to him what Brother Hagin used to say, tied him to a tree and prayed for him all night. (laughs) Man, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, now we got three services the next day and the next day, 10, 2, and 7.30. So after the service, I go back to my hotel and I'm not having a good day, you know, and I get back to my hotel and the Holy Ghost keeps saying, you better get a hold of yourself. I said, I know it, but I don't want to. <laughs> Come on. You know, it's fun being carnal sometimes. I knew better, but I didn't want to. I want to act like other Christians for a change. You know? <laughs> and so I'm walking around in that room and I'm mad, man. I am mad. And, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit kept saying, you better get a hold of yourself. Your attitude will make you or break you. Now, I can turn this into a success if you'll get a hold of a right attitude or you can leave here with a defeat. Well, I knew that was true, but at the time, that's not what I want to hear. I want him to say, go ahead, son, I'm upset too. You know, <laughs> I've lost my joy over this too. You know, but I knew the Holy Ghost not going to say that. So, you know, the, my crusade came, uh, coordinator came and knocked on the door and he said, Brother Jerry, what about in the morning? And before I could even grab my mouth, I heard this come out of it. I'm not going, you can preach it. <laughs> His eyes got about that big. I don't think he'd ever preached before. And his eyes got about that big. And he said, are you serious? I said, no, I'm not serious. That's just my frustration talking. I said, I know better than this. I said, forgive me for you seeing me lose it like this. You know I'm not this way. And I apologize. I said, I'll be there in the morning and all the other services as well. And then I got ready to go to bed and the Lord wouldn't let me go to sleep. And I sat there all night and wrote another book entitled A Right Mental Attitude. And that book's going around the world. Amen. Thanks to Casper, Wyoming. And anyway, I got up the next morning. Well, man, you know, now that I have, you know, I've got back into the word and not based my joy on my circumstances, even though I did momentarily, you know, got back in the word and, and got my spirit refreshed, got a, got a fresh revelation. 
man, I went over there and I preached on a right mental attitude for the next six services and God just kept adding to the congregation. People just kept coming in and one couple came and paid for the entire budget of that meeting, praise God. Now, I don't think that would have happened if I had continued with a negative attitude. Which makes me wonder, how many victories do you suppose we have forfeited because of our stinking thinking and our negative attitudes? Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching good, huh? Yeah, our attitude has everything to do with whether we win or lose. And here it's telling us that we must remain joyful. Now that's not easy, but it can be done. Was it easy for me to, to get back in the Word that night and get back, you know, in my faith and in my joy? No, it wasn't easy. I had to make myself do it. But was it profitable? Yes, it was. Hallelujah. I don't believe, I seriously do not believe I would have that testimony if I hadn't changed my attitude that night and, and determined I'm not going to let this steal my joy. Amen. Now, right after the Lord gave me this revelation back in 1982 on if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I went the next day to Ramah and taught in Brother Hagin's Bible school for a couple of days. Came home and then my wife and I were to leave the next day and go on a three-day meeting. Well, we had bought a house at that time in Fort Worth uh, on the north side of Fort Worth. And at one time, this house had belonged to the former Senator John Conley. He and his wife had built this house back in 1957 and lived in it. And over the years, most of the land to it had been sold off. It still had a couple acres with it. It needed totally, it needed a total restoration on the place. But it was such a beautiful old house. And my wife fell in love with it. She said, Jerry, buy that for me and let me restore it. Well, my wife is very gifted in that. And so we sold a house that we had at, out in Lake Country on Eagle Mountain Lake in those days. And we put the money into this house and started believing God for the money to do the restoration. Well, I mean, we're believing God for every dime to restore this house. And every time we'd get a little extra, Carolyn would do a little more. Well, she pretty much got the house restored and it was looking beautiful. But this place had over 50 trees on this property and so many of them were diseased and were dying. And so I called in a person, a, a tree surgeon, I guess you call them, tree specialist, to come and give me an estimate on what it would take to get our trees treated properly so that they all wouldn't die because it's such a beautiful property with all these trees on it, you know. And so I told him, I said, all I want is an estimate and I'm getting ready to leave town. And then once I get the estimate, uh, you know, my, my MO, my method of operation is I usually get about three estimates and then I pray over which one I'm, I'm going to select. So this is just an estimate. I'm not promising you you'll get the job. I told him that up front. And so he gives me an estimate and uh, I thank him for it. And then Carol and I leave town. We come back three days later, and when we pull up in front of our property, this man and his employees are in our trees cutting limbs. Limbs are all over our yard, out on the street. They're, they're actually doing the job. And I got out of my car, and I ran up to him. I said, sir, what are you doing? He said, treating your trees like you asked me to. 
I said, sir, I didn't ask you to do the job. I told you very clearly. All I wanted was an estimate. I have not signed any contract with you. Why are you doing this? You know I did not give you approval to do this. He said, well, I'm doing it. I thought you wanted me to do it. I said, you get your guys out of the trees, load your equipment up, and leave. He said, not without you paying me for what I've done. I said, I don't really owe you anything because you did something that I didn't approve and I haven't signed a contract, so you just get your stuff and leave. Now, sometimes people expect preachers to be pushovers, you know, and I was not going to be a pushover, you know, and just let him take advantage of me. Now, I'm, 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 I just got this revelation on if Satan can steal your joy. And all the time I'm dealing with this, I keep hearing the Holy Spirit, don't let it get your joy. Don't let it get your joy. I said, would you go sit in the car with Carolyn? I can handle this, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I didn't want to maintain my joy because this guy is doing something unethical, you know. And so he said, well, you're going to pay me for what I've already done and you owe me $3,000 so far. I said, I don't owe you anything. Get your stuff and get out of here. I'll sue you, preacher. Oh, boy, when he said that. Jesse DePlantis's uh, Tabasco sauce started rising up on the inside of me. That's what Jesse says when he's about to lose his temper. You know, it's that Tabasco sauce. It's not me, you know. And man, when he said, I'll sue you, preacher, that made me so mad. And I just got in his face and I said, well, go for it. Sue me. Well, see, I'll take you to court. And he loaded up his stuff and walked off. And I'm feeling pretty good about standing up to him. And the Holy Ghost got all over me. He got all over me. He said, you will not take him to court and you will pay him the $3,000. I said, why would I want to do that? This man is taking advantage of me. He said, because you're not going to allow this to steal your joy. Now, I just gave you that revelation and you're going to act on it and you're not going to let this steal your joy. I said, well, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I think it's already gone. It's not, he's not going to steal it. it he already got it. You know? <laughs> I said, so you're going to have to help me with this. Boy, I was mad. I went in the house and told Carolyn all that happened. She said, what are you going to do? I said, well, what I want to do, but the Lord won't let me. And I said, I'm going to pay him and I'm going to forgive him and I'm not going to let it steal my joy. And when I said that, it took every ounce of faith in me to say it. And so the next morning I went to my office and I called him and I asked him if he'd meet me at my office. Now he thought I was, you know, going to have the sheriff there or something and arrest him or, you know, try to have him arrested or something. He said he didn't know what I was going to do. So when he came, now I've, I... $3,000 all the money I had left in my name. We'd put everything into this house. And so I wrote the check for $3,000. When he walked in my office, I said, here, here's the $3,000 that you said I owed you. You know, and I know that I don't owe you this, but I'm forgiving you and I'm going to pay you. And I'm not going to let what you've done steal my joy. And I apologize for the way I reacted yesterday. That's not the real me. And I'm going to pray for your business because I sense in my heart that you've got a, a lot of problems going on in your business. And this is how you thought you could fix it by taking advantage of me. So give me a hand. 
I laid my hands on him and prayed with him, believed God to bless his business, forgive him for this situation. And, and he left amazed. He was shocked at the way I reacted. And the joy of the Lord took over. And man, when he left, I just started rejoicing and praising God. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that I had tapped into a revelation and that somehow, some way, God was going to show me how important that revelation was. Okay? Now, seven days later, no, uh, less than seven days later, I believe is correct. This happened so long ago. I'm sitting in my office and I get a call from Kenneth Copeland. And he said, Brother Jerry, there's a guy that's just come in town and he's wanting to know how to get a hold of you. Is it all right if I give him your number? I said, sure. He said, well, you, you met him one other time, but he said God told him to do something and he's trying to get a hold of you. And uh, so I'm going to give him your number and you two can link up. So he did. The guy called me and he said, uh, Jerry told me his name. He said, can you come out to Meachamville? I've, I've just landed out there, called Brother Copeland so I could try to get in touch with you. I didn't have your number. He said, can you meet me out at Meachamville? I have something the Lord's told me to give you. I said, yes, sir, I'd be happy to. So I drove out to Meacham Field on the north side of Fort Worth. And he met me there and told me the end number on his plane. I saw it, went out there, and he met me at his plane. And when he, he walked out of his airplane, he had a paper sack, a brown paper sack. He said, here, this is yours. I said, what is it? He said, open it. I opened it, and it was full of cash in $100 bills. I closed it and I gave it back to him. It scared me. I said, what is this? He said, it's yours. I said, what do you mean it's mine? He said, well, there's somebody who owed me this. And when they finally paid me back and I had it in my hand, the Lord said that belongs to Jerry Savell and you get it to him today. And then he said this, and don't ask me where it came from. Don't ask me how I got it. But trust me, it came from the devil's camp. I said, sir, I don't know if I can take that. He said, God told me to bring it to you. You either take it or I'm going to leave it on the tarmac here and I'm going home. I said, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and I reached up and grabbed it. <laughs> and I thanked him for it. And he said, now, I don't want to receive for it. It's not for your ministry. It's for you and Carolyn personally. God told me this is to repay you for something that happened to you recently. I said, wow. I went home, told Carolyn the story. She said, well, how much is in there? I said, I don't have a clue. We poured it out on the table and started counting it. $21,000. He stole three. But God told me in Proverbs 6, if you catch a thief, make him recompense sevenfold. What is seven times three? 21,000. And God did that. Now, you don't think that made the point in me? And I'm telling you, I've been making the devil pay me back ever since. And I have thousands of testimonies of other people who have done the same. Now, I realize that is a phenomenal story. And I realize that's, you know, pretty far out there. But God did that to prove to me that his people are missing out on a blessing 
that rightfully belongs to them because they're not making the devil pay them back when he steals from them. So no matter what you're going through today, don't let it steal your joy. You take joyfully the spoiling of your goods and demand that the thief pay you back and God will see to it sevenfold. That's not Jerry doctrine. I got it right out of the Bible. You just put it to work and see what God will do. Hey, I'll be back in just a few moments. Amen. Praise God. feel discouraged? Has your joy been left along the wayside? Be of good cheer. Jerry Savelle's book, If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Keep Your Goods, outlines powerful truths that will help you find your joy and walk in victory. Learn how God's Word produces joy and how and why Satan wants to steal it. Laugh more and cry less. It's time to turn the tables on the enemy. When you request your copy today, you'll also receive the CD series, Win or Lose by Your Attitude. Your attitude is an outward expression of your inner self. Your attitude will cause you to fail or succeed in every area of your life. And God wants to give you a positive, hopeful attitude, no matter what's happening around you. In this series, Jerry Savelle motivates you to press beyond your previous breaking point and outlast any circumstance with a great attitude. A good attitude is the tool that causes winners to succeed every time. Call now or visit us at jerrysavelle.org to request this joyful combo. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods and win or lose by your attitude. Don't wait. Be joyful today. Well, praise the Lord. I know that was a powerful story, and some of you are probably thinking, I don't believe that. Well, listen, it happened. It happened. My wife was witness to it, and I realize it seems far-fetched, but God did it to prove a point that if Satan steals from us, we have every right to demand a sevenfold restoration. Don't you remember when, when God restored Job? He gave him twice what had been taken from him. You know, uh, the Lord said to me one time, He said, you used to be in the restoration business, and I did. When I owned an automotive business, I repaired wrecked cars, and I restored classic cars. And He said, what was your definition for restoration? I said, bring back to original uh, condition. He said, well, that's not my definition of restoration. My definition of restoration is to improve, make better, multiply, and increase. And that's what God does. When He restores, He improves, makes better, multiplies, and increases. He will see to it. I, I like to say it this way, minimum twice-fold, potentially seven-fold. So you need to start believing God for everything Satan has stolen from you that it will be restored. You can learn how with this book, If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, Can't Keep Your Goods, and with this 3D, 3CD series, Win or Lose by Your Attitude. I can't stress to you enough how important it is for you to get these resources into your hands. This is how you get it into your heart. Listen, study over and over until it becomes a revelation. And I'm telling you, once it becomes a revelation, then nobody can take it from you. It's time for you to get back what the devil has stolen from you. I believe God is waiting for you to get serious with your faith, get serious with the Word of God, and He will confirm it with signs following. Thank you so much for watching us today. You can order these resources uh, by logging onto the website, calling our office number, or writing to us, and all that information is on your screen right now. Thanks again for watching. We're going to continue this study next week, so don't you dare miss it. And until then, I want you to remember, your faith will overcome the world. No matter what you're going through, the Bible says your faith will overcome the world. 
The blessing of the Lord be on you. The favor of God be on you. I look forward to seeing you again next week.